You're now listening to the Co-op Podcast on thecoalition.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 206 of the Co-op Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Billy Jr., and today I'm joined by Mr. Gary A. Swaby. How's it going, Gary? Hey, happy Mother's Day to all the Americans. Uh, we already had our Mother's Day back in March, two months ago, but I know it's Mother's Day over there. So, you know, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers, all the gaming mothers out there, and happy Sunday to everyone. Absolutely. And we are also joined by Mr. Jake James Lugo. How's it going, Mr. Lugo? I'm doing good, Rich. I already did all my homework and all my assignments for Mother's Day, so you guys are late to the party. You guys got to play catch-up. You guys got to get up on that right now. But happy Mother's Day to everybody else. Happy Sunday. Hope you guys are doing good. Lots of interesting news to touch up upon and stuff to chat about, so I'm ready. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Mr. Max Muller will not be with us today because he is also celebrating Mother's Day. So we'd like to wish his mother a happy Mother's Day and all of you, you know, happy Mother's Day to your mothers as well. Definitely take the time out today to let them know how much you care about them. But obviously, today should not be the only day that you should do that. So, but yes, happy Mother's Day to everybody. Um, So we have a couple of topics to get into this week a couple of big things that did happen this week but uh before we do that we're going to let you know what we have been playing so mr lugo how about you start us off and let us know what you've been playing i've been playing a variety of different stuff i've been playing a lot of games there's we got a ton of new reviews right now up on the website now you guys can check it all out on the coalition.com i played nba playgrounds which i thought was kind of mediocre uh unfortunately that game should have been much better than how it ended up turning out one of the big things that kills nba playgrounds for me personally and for a lot of other people uh it seems to be is the the card system the, the car collection system where one of the biggest criticisms i have of it is that you can't choose the favorite players or your favorite teams right from the get-go you kind of unlock stuff randomly as you play the game and as you level up your your uh was a player profile and your skill level and such that that's interesting that's fine could have been implemented much better than being as restrictive as i felt it was some people thought it was good even though they felt that the game overall wasn't all that great it emulates a lot of nba jam it has a lot of nods to nba jam it even has one of the the guy that does the commentary from nba jam but the commentary is nowhere near the same it's not as exciting it's it's also technically a little bit broken there's some things that just don't work as well as they should or at least you would hope that they would but overall mediocre experience in my personal opinion uh we have a couple other reviews that i post up on the coalition as well uh, we got a couple more coming later this week you know some rpg stuff that i haven't gotten a chance really to kind of finish up just yet because long rpgs require a lot more time investment we're gonna have a review for the caligula effect as well as another unnamed playstation vita rpg that i'm going to be talking about eventually then obviously we got other stuff coming down the line hopefully this week into next week that you guys can get excited about 
But outside of work-related stuff, outside of review stuff that we've been posting up, I've been playing a lot of Horizon Zero Dawn. I've been trying to finish that up or at least get further along into it because, again, must play on the system. I've been messing around a little bit with Neo. Again, I've talked about it on the last few episodes, but I finished up uh, writing a guide uh, on IGN for the DLC for Neo, the Dragon of the North DLC. That game is really tough. That DLC is very, very tough. And if you want something aggravating and frustrating to kind of go through, but a satisfying uh, conclusion to it, definitely check it out whenever you have some time. But overall, I've been very busy. So that's what I've been playing. Sounds awesome. Yes, you've been very busy. Um, quite a bit of games. Uh, I'm a little disappointed uh, as far as the NBA game. Um because when I looked at the game, I immediately I was like, I knew there was some issues with it. So I will have to check it out as well and, and give my thoughts on that in the future. But uh, yeah, um, we'll see. We'll see. So, uh, Gary, how about you let us know what you've been playing? Yeah, so no surprise, I've been playing um, Overwatch, of course. And, you know, the, the anniversary is coming up in about two weeks. So. Uh, I think it's pretty much confirmed that there's going to be some type of event then. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, what else have I been playing? I started playing The Walking Dead Season 3, A New Frontier. And I've already caught up. So I've played like, you know, the four episodes that are out. And, you know, now we're kind of waiting for the fifth episode. But um, as for my thoughts on it, I, I like... I think it looks a lot more polished like visually like uh, I'm impressed with the visual quality of it and everything the cell shaded graphics look a lot more polished than they used to in the previous games and stuff um, there's still a few technical issues here and there uh, one issue that I had was I completed like the whole of the of episode one and then when I was ready to start episode two, it popped up with a message saying you haven't finished episode one, even though I clearly had because I took a picture of like all the choices that I made. So clearly it registered that I made all those choices in episode one. But for some reason, when I tried to start episode two, it didn't it didn't think I finished episode one. And therefore, it, I think it randomized like the last two choices that you get to make in, in that episode. Um, luckily it seems to have randomized it to exactly why I chose anyway but yeah that was annoying because like I clearly played all of the first episode but it didn't carry over you know what I played for some reason but um, yeah Walking Dead 3 the new frontier so far um, the storytelling has been really good like I think it's way better than um, season 2 and um, yeah probably like one of the best written telltale games in a long time but you know as i said i haven't played the borderlands one um and yeah i think oh i haven't played guardians either but yeah um i think this is this definitely stands out as one of the best written you know this uh the, the wolf one wolf among us and um i haven't played borderlands uh batman was pretty good too so i think those three kind of stand out to me and walking dead one as like the best telltale games like in terms of storytelling so yeah i definitely recommend this game to anyone who has some sort of interest in the walking dead or the telltale games in general um and i wanted to play some near today but i didn't get around to it unfortunately so yeah that's all i've been playing this week 
That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, Walking Dead season three is is good. Uh, I look forward to episode five, and we are going to have a discussion about the whole season. Uh, so uh, look for that in the future for sure. Um, so as for what I've been playing, uh, I've been playing some more of Prey. Um, I have to say that um, really, really enjoying this game. I saw that uh, there was a couple of reviews out there, some mixed reviews, and then there were some that were said that it's really, 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 really good. I, mean, I think the game is great for what it is. Uh, does have quick question, Rich? Yeah. I wanted to ask you because the big thing about Prey has been the bugs and the game breaking glitches or bugs that have been popping up for some people. That's why some of the reviews have been lower than usual. Have you experienced anything like that? I haven't experienced any of that on the consoles. Um, I know a couple of those issues were on PC. Um, I have been playing on Xbox One and PlayStation Four, and I, I haven't had any any problems yet. Um, so. Yeah, uh, but the game is the game is is good. I mean, I, I very much enjoy the game. Uh, like I think I said on the last show, um, this is a game where you just basically have to. It's a lot of trial and error. You learn certain things, and you know, just by you know making a educated guess as to what types of things you can recycle. I mean, the game does give you some hints as to what you should recycle. If you actually read the, the descriptions of the items that you're collecting, which is good, uh, but the recycling is the most important aspect of it because you recycle that into materials that you can then use to make am ammunition for your weapons, health, so on and so forth. So it's very important to the game. Uh, I know the game is a little bit of, uh, challenging in terms of the combat, but uh, you know, once you learn to actually upgrade your weapons, it's gotten a lot easier for me. You know, um, so. I know Bethesda had set out to make the game challenging, and in the beginning, it is a little bit of a challenge. But uh, it does, you know, you can get better as you, you know, it's a situation where you have to play the game over time, learn how to do certain things, and then you're you're in a good position. So, I think the game is great uh, for those that was interested in checking it out. Um, pretty sure the game will be on sale, and you know, pretty soon. You know, I don't think it's going to stay at that price uh, that it is at right now because I know that some people had a lot of negative things to say about it. You know, the PC release especially had all those bug issues and that, you know, wasn't really good for Bethesda. But I will say the game is good thus far. You know, I am working on a very detailed review for it. So you can look for that review sometime this week on the site. But uh, up to this point, I have to say it's it's pretty good game. It's pretty solid. Uh, this, you know, now if you ask me about all the other quality games that have come out this year, do I think that this is a game that is belongs in that category? I, I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, and you know, if some of you out there are still playing games like Persona 5 or all these other games that you know they require so much of your time, well, then there's no real need to rush into this because this takes about 20 hours. You know, I've seen a lot of videos out there where people are playing the game and you know, they find easy ways to get through to certain stuff uh, within an hour and in some cases under an hour. But to get the most out of the game itself and to actually play it through, it's going to take you about close to 20 hours to finish. Um, but it's a great game. Definitely check it out if you're interested. If not, you know, pick it up at a later time when it's much cheaper because, uh, you know, the price may be too much, especially if you know you're not going to spend a lot of time on it right now. So just something to think about. Uh, I've also been playing another game that actually is going to be coming out this week. It's called The Surge. 
Now, uh, let me just say right now, this is a game that uh, it, it's it's made by uh, Deck 13 Interactive. You know, this is a studio that's worked on quite a bit of games in the past. But this particular game is it's very hard to describe. You know, it's like a science fiction. It's a role-playing game, action role-playing game. But the style of the game is very much like a Dark Souls game, you know, because essentially it's about a character that you have. His name is Warren. Uh, he's pretty much in a wheelchair. And he basically goes to this facility where he actually is able to put on a machine suit and basically fight in different, you know, fight in different environments against robots, so on and so forth. So the game itself is kind of, um, it's very challenging. You know, as I mentioned, Dark Souls, you know, you will get, you'll get into melee combat with different robot machines. And it's like, you have to be very careful not to just try to go to somebody and just think you're going to take them out. Now, obviously, you know, as I've been playing the game for a while, you start to get a lot better. Um, this is another game where you really have to pay attention to a lot of details that are being thrown at you because you'll miss uh, certain things about how to do certain certain uh, actions within the game. There are a lot of instances where you'll be walking through an environment and then you'll see some words that'll tell you, you know, you attack or you do this type of action with by pressing this button. So you do have some help. But when you actually start to get into the combat with the other robots, it can be a bit challenging. Uh, but, you know, with time, just like with any action RPG, you, you definitely will get better. Um, and I would just say that the game itself is, is interesting in a sense. Um, the environment is not necessarily the most appealing because it's just like a, like a, a barren wasteland from based on what I've seen so far. And a lot of the environments look the same. Um, but so far, it's I would say it's a pretty decent game. I mean, I still have... I've only started playing this game on Friday, so I still have quite a bit to, to really dive into. Um, I will... At the, very, at, the, at the very least, give you guys some impressions next week on the site. So look for that. But um, I will say if you are a Dark Souls fan, you're into like different types of uh, robot science fiction type of uh, stories or games, you may enjoy this game. But uh, again, certain things about it, it's not really quite there yet. Um, I'll have more to say, though, after I've had more time with it. But um, hey. Interesting game, to say the least. Uh, and also, this is a surprise. I actually spent some time with Overwatch this week. Um, I know Gary is a huge Overwatch Ooh. fan, so I decided that I was going to try it because I, I have it on Xbox One. Um, I haven't really had a chance to really play it beforehand. But I decided to try it out, and yeah, the, the game is fun. Um, I didn't spend a ton of time with it because... You know, I, I had to play these other games like Surge and, and uh, you know, Prey. That took up most of my time this weekend. But uh, I would say from what I played of Overwatch, I could see why people love the game, why they enjoy it. Um, I still have more to really dive into with that. But I will go ahead and say on the show now, it's a great game. It's fun um, for what it is. I, I still don't like the fact that it's not a campaign, you know. But that's just a little minor detail. Again... The There's PVE stuff coming. There's PVE stuff coming real soon. They, they've been talking about that. We might see that at E3. Well, it, maybe that's the announcement for their uh, the, the year anniversary. Um, I mean, we'll see. I do know that there is... Well, go ahead. 
they've actually had like PVE as well throughout the other events that they introduce. Uh, the, the last one they had for the last event that had like cutscenes and everything. So oh. yeah, they they do sprinkle in bits of story here and there. But what was you gonna say? Oh, I, I just was gonna say, um, I do know that there is a game of the year edition that is going to be coming out because some information for that has leaked already. Um, and that essentially is just going to be the game with uh, a lot of loot boxes for those that are uh, interested in that type of stuff. So if you haven't picked up, uh, you know, Overwatch yet, you might want to consider picking that up because that'll be out sometime this month. I'm not sure of the exact date, um, but that was spotted on the Xbox store and it has since been taken down. So um, we'll see. But yeah, I was just going to say, you know. Wait, it, so did you uh, have any favorite characters? Like from your time playing. So oh, that's well. A good, well, well, listen, man. Please don't tell me we have a Hanzo main in the making. Please, Rich, uh, don't do it. So we already lost you to the game already. Please. He seems like a Hanzo man. <laughs> then, then again, you know, he it could be even worse. He could be a Bastion main. Then we really have problems. Then we're gonna really need to have that talk with him. Oh, so here's Lord. the thing. Here's the thing. When I played the game, I literally jumped into one match, and then that was it. I, I didn't spend a lot of time yet, so I, I don't really know what my favorite character is quite yet. Um, I have seen a couple of the characters you mentioned that the people use excessively, and I know they've had to, you know, correct some of those characters because people were using them and really getting away with just destroying everybody. So I, I haven't had a chance to really pick a favorite quite yet. Maybe I will have a favorite by the next show, but I literally only spent a little bit of time with the game. Uh, just did a, a regular matchup. Uh, I did use Tracer. I'm not going to say that Tracer is the best character that I enjoy because it's just, uh, well, no, that was just to try it out. I will let you know next week, though, after I've had more time with Overwatch, uh, which characters I enjoy um, the most. But for what I was going to say is, just, yeah, it's, I, I could see how this is a phenomenon. I know we, we've been to events where I've seen people dress up as Overwatch characters. And I think to myself, that's that's really something that's really something else, because I mean, the game has it at that point when we went to one show, it wasn't even a full year that Overwatch has been out. Now it is about to be a full year. So I think it's awesome. You know, it's a nice little movement phenomenon. Um, but I'm very interested to see what they do with the game moving forward. Uh, and the PvP stuff will be pretty awesome. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Well, if you put more hours into it, I might consider getting it for the Xbox. Well, Gary... I'm, I'm done. Well, Gary, <laughs> I'm not going to talk into that. <laughs> well, well, Gary, first you would have to get an Xbox. So I don't think that is going to happen. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I might get an Xbox just to play with you. Oh well, well, we'll we'll see what happens. Now, now the big question is: Would it be an Xbox One or would it be an Xbox Scorpio? That that that's the part two of this whole discussion down the line. Well, well you know well, we, that part two, that part two might have to come later on in our main discussion. Yeah, that that is going to come later on in, in the discussion because I I did have I do have to bring a couple of topics to the table with that, but um, we'll see. Overwatch is great. If you enjoy it, you already know this. If you are thinking about uh, you want to check it out, uh, definitely check it out. But uh, I will say this also, if you haven't played a few of the big titles this year, such as Horizon Zero Dawn, uh, Neo, etc., you should definitely make it a point to play those games uh, to see why everybody is talking highly of them. And, you know, Overwatch, you can play that in your spare time. But definitely, you know, check out these games when you get a chance, if you haven't already. Um, but, uh, 
that concludes what we have been playing for this week. So uh, we're going to go ahead and we're going to jump right into the main topics for today. Uh, the first topic is related to Overwatch um, and about an Overwatch League. So, uh, Mr. Lugo, I believe you have more information on what Activision is trying to do. So please enlighten us. So, yeah, there's basically a couple different things that have been going on. Now, if you don't know for the longest, uh, a lot of people, Blizzard in particular, has been trying to get started a league for Overwatch players, for competitive and professional Overwatch, which which is cool. It's it's trying to push esports. It's trying to push gaming. It's to the much more bigger and wider competitive scene on the same level as like what we see with Dota, with League, with uh, uh, StarCraft. You know, esports being a bigger thing. We, they want to be able to have that shown and streamed on places like ESPN and other places that are similar. And I think that's awesome. I think that's good. It's a long road and a long journey they're going to have to go through. Now, here's the problem, though, with Overwatch and really why people have been talking about this and Blizzard for a little bit this week. Uh, A lot of the big leagues or the big uh, organizations that have been asked or have been looking into joining up with this Overwatch League have either started to pull out or started to drop it or start to move away and openly talk about why they're doing so. One of the biggest reasons citing uh, that this actual league hasn't really gotten off the ground just yet is because the buy-in or the requirements for joining up with it, for getting teams uh, implemented into the league, as well as also becoming sponsors and all this stuff, there's a $15 million buy-in, at least according to some sources. That's a lot of money you know, for an organization to kind of jump into it. It's, it's not that to a point where it's a lot of money where they can't afford it. It's more towards actually taking a risk on something that's unproven or taking a risk and being a part of something that might not necessarily be as stable as they might have wanted it to be. Because I'm pretty sure, and I think it could be said, that organizations are going to spend money if they're comfortable doing so, if they feel like it's a safe bet and it's a surefire surefire result for what's going to go down. Uh, That doesn't seem to be the case with the Overwatch League. And a lot of different things have been uh, cited because of that, you know, the $15 million buy-in, as well as also some of the talks behind the scenes haven't been really going that well. Uh, There's talk about that the actual opening or the first day or the the beginnings of the league might get pushed back from their original start date, which I believe was supposed to be sometime later this year, if I'm not mistaken. There's an entire article that was posted up at Kotaku that cited multiple sources from different people that have talked, you know, anonymously from various organizations that people that know about this stuff. And then finally, recently, uh, Blizzard actually made a statement about it. So I'm going to read a little uh, segment of the statement. Uh, you know, again, you can find this in a variety of different places right now. But basically, this is what Blizzard had to say uh, to some of the rumors and some of the different quotes and articles that have been posted it up, posted up about this stuff. So first, they told in, in an interview with Kotaku, they came out and said that we want to be clear that our ultimate goal is to create an exciting Overwatch esports ecosystem, the pinnacle of which be the Overwatch League. Uh, that's accessible to a wide audience, sustainable and rewarding for everyone involved. We're doing our best to take great care of uh, with building this ecosystem, and as much as and as and as with much of what we do, that's a little weird. Uh, we don't release information until we're at a place where it makes sense to do so. Okay, they added. Okay, we don't like to dispel any rumors that we're ignoring uh, endemics. Uh, anyone who knows Blizzard understands how deeply we care about the communities about around our games. The league is built upon the best elements of endemic uh, esports programs and traditional sports. And we're in active discussions with many teams and owners from both worlds because it will take a village to stand up a league with such an unprecedented structure. Those conversations have been going well, and there's a lot of excitement around our ambitious plans. Now, again, they go on and continue with it. 
in, in the actual interview. But that's a generalized statement that tells us something but doesn't reveal much of what's going on. I don't think that they've actively openly denied a lot of the stuff, if not actually addressed a lot of the stuff that people are concerned about. Again, if you read through a lot of the articles that have been uh, passed around, okay, they're saying a lot of the places that are saying that have been talking with Blizzard uh, have been saying that they've actually been uh, – Blizzard has been very – not strict, but they've been immovable and not, uh, was it negotiable in a lot of the stuff, and a lot of the prerequisites for joining up with this league, specifically with the $15 million buy-in for a lot of people or for a lot of places. It seems like this is going to take a long time for this to actually get off the ground. And it, it, there needs to be compromise on both sides, at least from what I'm gathering from the information that we know right now. Uh, it'd be really interesting if blizzard opens up a little bit more about it i can understand why they're not because they're, these are ongoing discussions and it seems like uh a lot of people that have been opening up or at least you know some places have been talking about how uh this is a, a play or a ploy to make them a little bit loose uh when it comes to actually negotiating and actually talking with uh different organizations about money specifically if not other stuff maybe related to the players maybe related to the teams as well as also who who actually uh, makes a good profit in the end of all this because obviously Blizzard's going to want to do what they're going to want to do for their own league but again there needs to be some compromise on both sides but you know knowing this stuff from what we know at this point uh, what do you guys think about this Rich, Gary you know what, what does this uh, mean to you? Uh, I think you know some of the terms are it's, it's a little I can see how it could see, be absurd to the, you know, these different organizations because, like, they're asking up to 20 million. Like, it started at 15, so it's 15 to 20 million is what they're asking for to buy into the franchise. And, you know, in comparison, League of Legends only asked for, like, 1.8 million. So that is kind of absurd. And also, like, um, I was hearing as well that, like, uh, what was it? I can't remember. There was something else I heard, but I'll get back to that. But yeah, like I think it's it's a bit crazy some of these demands that Blizzard are coming up with. But at the same time, Overwatch is huge, and I think they have the potential to do something special here. Like they could transcend esports to to a whole new level if this does take off. Uh, but you know, from from an organization standpoint they don't know whether these events are going to pull in that much audience to you know recoup their money i guess you know and that's a concern as well like because how many people will actually show up to to these leagues like these league events you know like is it going to be a huge turnout like with league of legends because i know overwatch is a big thing and a lot of people watch it on sites like stream and uh, uh, twitch and everything but you know is it going to be what league of legends is and more because that's what it needs to be it needs to transcend league of legends and i'm pretty sure league of legends is still like the number one stream game on twitch or something or you know even if it gets knocked off it goes right back or something like that to dota so that's the other one dota 2 yeah exactly yeah so i can see why organizations are concerned and you know i think i don't know maybe blizzard is being a bit unfair like maybe they should start off you know smaller and grow it um so that you know the uh, the companies can be a bit more reassured about you know what they're buying into you know there's a good point that you brought up there that i think we should acknowledge before before rich uh gives input that 
it's sometimes it's very difficult to watch games like this, even on Twitch, and especially when they're trying to market it to to put it on places like ESPN and and the like, because you could see gaming competitions on ESPN. I think the Dota 2 championships or the League championships were shown on ESPN at one point. There was a big controversy with some people that were just very ignorant about what was going on. But it can be difficult sometimes to show those types of games to an audience and them not be in the know of what's going down. And there's a lot of uh, lingo that's catering to the audience that's already hardcore about it. That it's like trying to show someone football for the very first time and then showing them something like college ball or showing them something like the Super Bowl that, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's going on. Like you're not really going to understand it at first of what's happening, especially if you don't know the minutia and understand why certain things happen the way they do. And I think it's a little tougher for gaming sometimes, especially competitive gaming. That's not fighting games. That's not so straightforward where the common person just won't get it. And they're obviously, if they're not going to get it, they don't want to actually be in the, uh, the nuance of it. They're not going to watch. And that's not going to give them the numbers that they want, especially if it's Rocky at the very beginning. Yeah, because I feel like Overwatch is like it's a game where it's super fun to play, like when you're playing it. But when you're watching it, I don't know if it has that same appeal. Like, I mean, for me personally, yeah, because like I like to check out other people's technique. Like, I lo- I watch a lot of competitive Overwatch games with like you know teams and stuff, just to get their technique and see what they're doing and what the best practices are for each character. But not everybody will see it that way like some people might want to watch something for for the entertainment aspect and it might not be the most entertaining game to watch you know like it 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 overwatch is a game where it's more fun to play i think so yeah that is a legit concern and the other thing i I was going to bring up before the the other thing i was going to bring up before was um the revenue sharing so they're like then uh, blizzard said that they're not guaranteed that the organizations aren't guaranteed a revenue share until um, 2021 so even if they buy in now they're not guaranteed a revenue share until they're not making money now yeah exactly and you can't you know ask people to spend that much money and not guarantee a revenue share until 2021 like that's a bit extreme that's like paying for a movie and then not seeing it until next year like that kind of sucks when you think and I can understand the frustration with that yeah, I mean, you know, I, I guess there's other ways they could still make money in the meantime, like sponsorships and all that stuff. But um, still, you know, that's it's a bit extreme to like considering you're asking for that much money for the buying. Yeah, uh, I just want to say uh, that 2021, um, man, is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, you know. I would like to ask Blizzard, what are, what is their long term plans for Overwatch? I mean, is this this is as I said already, you know, this is a phenomenon, right? So I'm thinking, is is there going to be any cartoon movies out there? I know they have the animated stuff within the game itself, but is there going to be anything beyond what just the game itself? Do they have merchandise out there? Do they have all this other stuff? Because I could I could see you making those making that price uh, meaningful if this is something where it's bigger than just a video game. Um, oh yeah, there's, there's merchandise too. There's you know there's all that those extras and stuff. You know merchandise and uh, you know sale like ticket sales or whatever. Um, sponsorships, you know, all that stuff is is a way for the teams and the organizations to make profit as well. But um, I mean, if you're spending that much upfront, you're gonna want like some sort of immediate return. Yeah, that's closer than 2021. 
So. Oh yeah, I, I mean, I think that's a little ridiculous to to hold off that long of a time before someone is seeing a return on their investment. Um, I don't really understand that by itself. I understand that uh, you know. Now I do know that the the Call of Duty tournaments are a very big big deal, and I did go to the the World Champion Call of Duty tournament they had in Los Angeles last year, and the amount of people that went to that event it was just it was insane. But I will add that they had other things going on. It wasn't just the competition; they had a lot of opportunities for you to play all of the different games that were there. Some different DLC for the past Call of Duties that came out the year before. I mean, they had, and then they had amusement stuff as well, rides, so on and so forth. So you know, that, the thing is, though, Rich, they wanted to get to the level like what we see with like the Korean StarCraft Two championships. They want people in uh, the arenas that are like huge, and they want people to spend money. They want people to buy the game. They want people to buy products like peripherals for their computers or their consoles and stuff. And I think it's very tough for some games. Like the toughest, the best example you could see this. And the one that's like always like ebbs and flows is fighting games. It could be there's a lot of parallels between what's going on now with Overwatch and what is also happening with fighting games and stuff with uh, them turning into either esports or anything of the sort because they're all esports in some way as far as like wanting to be competitive and wanting to make money, wanting to be a big phenomenon like that. The problem is though is like I said before is like how do you market that to the common person that's not going to play. That's not going to be competitive, but just wants to see that because people see sports all the time. It's a non, I mean, it's, it's a way where they're not actively participating in the actual sport. They probably play basketball or they probably play whatever sport, but they love watching it because they can understand it and they can actually get it for what's happening. I think that's very tough with games, especially where games, you know, we have such a problem dealing with the stereotype of, of being child's play or being children's toys. You know, there are a lot of people that believe that. And the people that watch ESPN, or at least the general audience, from ESPN, not just the people that play games and watch sports and stuff, but a lot of that audience still just doesn't get over that. And that's very tough to deal with. So in order to achieve that same success with the the, the stadiums, you know, filling up like in Korea, but having that here in the United States, I think that's a very tough sell. And I think it's it's not impossible. There's probably ways to do it because we have competitions like Call of Duty, like Halo that have done that, like Counter-Strike that have done that, or even Team Fortress 2 to some extent. I'd be very surprised if we don't have stuff like that for that game. You know, games that are that are similar that could be handled in that same vein. But with something I feel like with Blizzard, with, with Overwatch, it, they're trying to capitalize on the hype that's, that's been going around for like the last year or so since the game's been out. And, and a lot of the audience that loves the characters and loves all that stuff. But I think selling the competitiveness of it is a much tougher sell. Yeah, very good points. You, you about to say something, Gary? Yeah, and like, I think, you know, Blizzard doesn't come off really well in this. Like, they kind of seem a bit arrogant. Like, you know, they feel like uh, this is, you know, the game in esports now or something when that's really not the case because like other games have been dominating the esports scene for years so overwatch is very popular and it's a very good game but like you can't just come into the esports space and think you own you own everything and you run things and that you can just charge whatever you want for a buy-in you know like they come off a little conceited um at this point so yeah i think i think that's the fandom that does that though the fandom is the one that gets conceded. And I can understand the logic with that with Blizzard, especially with the stipulations that they're putting on for people to join up with this because 
it, it's the same way how Microsoft was with the Halo movie years back. If you remember when we heard about the stuff with the Halo live action movie with Steven Spielberg and stuff like that, where there was talk about how the demands went about with uh, Microsoft and the IP. I, I could see mm-hmm. very similar to that, but I think like a lot of what you're talking about, Gary, comes from the fandom. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, there are people who do overhype it, I guess, but I mean, it's a great game. I mean, yeah, I can't deny it. I've spent so many hours on it. It's a it's a fun game, you know. So I, I can see why people get excited for Overwatch, but um, yeah, I just until we see some tangible evidence that you know this franchise is going to make a, a shit ton of money in the long term off of esports, then I don't think you know Blizzard should be trying to charge that much for Brian. So yeah. That's all I got to say. Yeah, um, I guess we will see what happens with this whole situation. I think eventually they will come to some type of agree- agreement, and this this thing will happen. I mean, the, the game is a uh, is popular. Um, I don't know if that means that Blizzard is going to have to uh, renegotiate a different, uh, you know, come to different terms. I don't know how any of that stuff is going to work. I, I do think that. Uh, it definitely can be a competitive game. I mean, it all depends. It all depends on how they're going to really approach the situation. I actually am going to be going to a Street Fighter event at the end of this month. As something I found out on Friday, I was invited to. It's here in Atlanta. So um, I'll get to see more about how this competitive fight scene is, whether or not there'll be a ton of people there. Because when I was at the Call of Duty event, you already know. I mean, that was damn near a sold out event. Um, so I'm very curious to see how the Street Fighter audience is going to be for that Street Fighter Five tournament. Um, but we'll have to see what happens with Overwatch uh, to be determined. But uh, any final thoughts on this t- topic before we move on to the next? No, yeah, I will say that I would. I would also love to go to an esport event. I mean, I would. I would want to actually like the game somewhat that I'm watching. <laughs> like, I would love to. Like, I would love to go to an Overwatch esports tournament myself personally um, I'm not sure you know like to the to the average casual you know consumer or whatever they might not be as invested and it might not look as fun like because it's, it's sometimes it's hard to understand what's going on when you watch Overwatch if you don't play it you know but like me personally I would love to go to one of these events um, you know whether it's Overwatch uh, maybe even Call of Duty you know like just something that I have you know some level of interest in or some level of familiarity with i would like to get into that setting because i haven't really been to many tournament type events before so I, it's something i would like to do um i'm hoping actually be that there'll be some to tournaments at, at e3 i hope there'll be some you'll be you'll be ideal to go because you have a good perspective on it that you could definitely you could definitely get a get a good interesting like take on all of it from the spectacle of it especially yeah, so Blizzard, you need to call me. I can commentate for you. You know, JJ's going to endorse me. So, hey, yeah. we, we, we'll see Blizzard at E3. So I'll be sure to let them know. Hey, we, we need to we need to talk with Gary about uh, sponsorship and all this other stuff. Me and Gary on color commentary. He could be Jim Ross, like you know, calling it straight like it is. I could be like, uh, was it Jerry the King War? I could just completely <laughs> just wild out over the littlest things and just completely poke fun at stuff. 
Well, wait, hold That's on. Hold, there you go. hold on, hold on. I, I don't think you want to be Jerry Lawler unless you uh, want women talk about a. Hey, you know, you need to watch watch yourself around that. that I'm uh, talking. That I'm talking ninety three, ninety four, Jerry Lawler. Let's be real for a second. Okay, not the recent stuff right now. I'll be the color commentary. I like like the what is it that it just poke fun and just talk like like Jesse Ventura back in uh was it WrestleMania three WrestleMania four Jesse yeah. the Ventura when he was on commentary like that with a Gorilla Monsoon Gary could be Gorilla Monsoon I'll be Jesse Ventura there you go wait and, uh, does this mean that um does this mean that Richard is Michael Cole hey you know no no, no he can't be Michael Cole Rich could be Rich Rich could be uh oh man what's that guy's name from wrestling commentary that he that he would be the guy that goes up to the different people that interviews them when they go to the back room it, it was not Howard Finkel I'm not sure I'm not sure who he is but I, I will tell you right now the one person who I would never be is JBL and if you are a wrestling fan you already know why no forget you <laughs> to hell with that guy yeah I but agree. uh we'll see what happens we'll see what happens um so yeah, let, let's move on to the next topic. <laughs> you know, Overwatch is a good game. Let's talk about another game that I thought was good, but apparently Square Enix didn't think it was good. Let's talk about Hitman Season 1. Uh, we received news earlier this week that uh, Square Enix, is, uh, they are now currently trying to get rid of IO Interactives and the Hitman franchise. No longer want to, you know, have anything to do with it. So it is now currently up for sale. Now, uh, I should mention that this story is still developing because I actually read that there was an update on Friday. Now, this is a rumor. Now, it is not confirmed yet, but the rumor states that IO Interactive, they have now they now have ownership of the Hitman IP, and they are currently halfway through Season 2, and they are supposedly making an announcement this upcoming week about the future of the series. Now, I don't really know about that because again it is a rumor it's not confirmed but i think we should at the very least discuss you know square enix decision to rid themselves of the serious and why they made this decision if we have any thoughts on that particular topic so gary uh how about you feel free to let us know your thoughts on this first because uh i know that you are a hitman fan to some degree i know you absolutely did not like the fact that they had an episodic serious so feel free to let me know your thoughts um, as to why you think Square Enix made this decision and whether or not you think it was a wise decision for them to get rid of it. Oh, Gary's muted? I, I think uh, he's muted. Oh, well, until well, he comes back, or until he gets back, then <laughs> let, let me say this. I think that it sucks, you know, because I thought Hitman was doing good because they had a lot of stuff that was going on with Hitman. They had the Gary Busey stuff, you know, the celebrity hits. And the marks and such. So that was interesting. But this this kind of came out of left field, not only just for me, but for a lot of us. But I'm curious now, since you said that the rumor might be that there's a big announcement coming uh, sometime this week or very soon. I'd be curious if they get away from the episodic, uh, uh, was it design of Hitman and go back to a more traditional game release. I'd be very, very uh, curious if they actually decide to do that instead. Especially with like how a lot of other games that are similar to it or other fr- uh, franchises that are under that umbrella have kind of done different things that haven't gone episodic. That, that That's a good point. Um, yeah, Gary, somebody had ordered to hit on Gary. This is why he disappeared for a minute. He had to make sure to clarify that. 
Um, yeah, my, my bad. Uh, someone, yeah, someone called for me, but yeah, my bad. Oh no, no, that's that's all right. So, so Gary, what are your thoughts on this news? And then I'll I'll give my thoughts. Yeah. Uh, so the hitman thing. Um, what what is actually the reason why they you know do do, do they think that the episodic thing didn't go well? Because I heard a lot of good things about you know the hitman episodic thing. Like I think at I, first I heard negative things, but then eventually people seemed to love it. But is is this the reason why? Because they felt it was a bad reception. Is that why they're choosing to sell it off? Uh, I mean, I don't really think it was ever clarified as to why they decided to get rid of it. I assume that it, it didn't meet the sales expectations that they had. And that was why they said, well, we can't waste any more money. We need to get rid of this franchise while, you know, while we have the opportunity to do so. Uh, but then it was never really specified why they got rid of it. Um, I assume it is that because we know in the past... Square Enix has talked about, you know, when a game sells six, seven million, that that still is not to their liking. They talked about that with the Tomb Raider franchise. Um, yeah, that, that's something I really dislike about uh, Square Enix. Like, they always, you know, th- this is always a news story where they're not happy with, you know, the the sales of a game or whatever. And it seems to be mainly with, you know, the Western produced games, but. My my thing is like okay, so why do you expect it to sell that much then? Like, why do you put your projections so high, and then you know when it doesn't match it, you just want to like you know cancel it or not do it or whatever? Like, uh, I don't understand their thinking there. I mean, to me, it seems like a lot of people legitimately love the game, and when you have an audience that loves the game, you need to continue to nurture it and you know produce it so that you can keep you know getting that same fan base back and they they will continue to give you money as long as you maintain the quality of the product you know so i don't see their logic with just wanting to you know kill it at this point when it it seems like they still have a fan base there that legitimately loves the game uh well yeah exactly one thing i did want to add is you know i did have an interview with agent 47 himself recently and that interview is on the website um, and he alluded to the fact I did ask him about a season two. He says that he really enjoyed season one, but he didn't, he really couldn't talk about season two and didn't know whether or not there was going to be a season two. So, um, I think it's unfortunate if, uh, you know, with this current situation here, because, you know, it leaves a lot uh, up in the air. As, as we already said, you know, the rumor is that there is going to be an announcement next week. So we'll have to see what that announcement is. But, um, I mean, I think just the whole thing about it being episodic and the fact that they released it, I know that that was going to turn off a lot of people. When I played the, uh, the, uh, when they released the, uh, the demo that they had, I thought the game was great. Um, I actually had wrote an article about the episodic structure. Because I figured that, you know, well, they had already laid out the times when you can expect the other episodes. And I figured, okay, well, that's already better than Telltale. Because, you know, when Telltale normally releases a game, you know, sometimes it could be a, mo- a month to two months later than, you know, you would expect it. Um, but they actually laid out a timeline and stuck to it for the most part with Hitman. So I figured, okay, well, maybe this can work. And they also approached it from... The, the standpoint of we're going to look at what the fans, how the fans respond to the game, and we're going to make changes on the fly based on the stuff that they like and dis- dislike about this approach. 
I have a question, Rich. I have a, I have a quick question. Uh, how many of those like special contracts or special hits that they have for that game? Because I really remember the Gary Busey ones. Did they have any other celebrity ones? Because was do you think like maybe with stuff like that, especially that was going to get some attention on the game? Do you think that cost them more than what they actually thought, and it just didn't have that big of a return? Because keep in mind, stuff like that costs a lot of money, especially with a big celebrity like Gary Busey, who. Again, whether you like or dislike, it's still going to cost a bunch of resources for them to actually make stuff like that happen. So maybe, especially if they had more than one, because I don't know, I haven't played Hitman like that. Do you think like maybe that also contributed to it? That 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 definitely had to contribute to to it to, to, in some in some extent. Um, possibly, yeah, done to get more attention to the actual game to try to get people back into it because a lot of this stuff was just done you know periodically it wasn't like a regular thing it, every so often they would have them i th- i think there was about three or four of them i'm not for sure of exactly how many it was because i also i i did play hitman uh but um because it is episodic you know there's other games that come out during this time and obviously you know you may somebody may not want to go back to hitman may, they'll go back at a later time because the full game is not there out there for them to play at the moment. Um, but yeah, I think th- those, you know, them having to pay those high profile actors, well, maybe they're not high profile to everybody. You know, they had their time when they were popular and maybe they're not quite as popular, but they still command a lot of money. So I'm pretty sure that definitely, definitely played into this as well in terms of the investment into the actual IP and what was going on with that. But, uh, I just think it's a bad situation, but again, you know, as was already said, you know, Square Enix, we already know they have these ridiculous, uh, you know, thoughts about how much they want a game to sell. Tomb Raider, uh, that was the most recent example of another game that they felt did not sell as well as they wanted it to sell. Uh, And, you know, I will be a little concerned about that franchise next, but for now with Hitman, um, I do know, you know, we had Mr. Kennedy review the game for us. He reviewed the complete season uh, recently when they released the full season on disc. And the main complaint that he had is just the fact that, you know, the fact that it, it took so long to get to all these other episodes. Uh, having it complete, he felt like they need to do something different with the franchise because it, it didn't really feel like it innovated or in, in any type of way. Um, I could understand how someone could say that, but I enjoyed what I did play of it. It's just that it's, you know, Square Enix, again, they have these high demands for these high expectations of what they want the games to sell. And when they don't meet those expectations, then there has to be some type of fallout. So it's unfortunate, but I, I do hope that IO Interactive is going to make this announcement because apparently, I mean, they were already halfway through season two, you know, but again, until we actually hear about that, it doesn't, we don't really know anything else about what's going on with that. Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, you guys have any other thoughts on this topic before we move on? No, I'm good. I feel like this is a, an IP that needs to continue because it has a loyal fan base. You know, I've uh, like I talk to people like Kennedy, shouts to him, and you know, even you, Rich. And, you know, other people and they love Hitman, you know, they love everything it represents. They love what it's about. And I feel like in the right hands, this this IP can really shine. And I I, I think it would be a bad idea to give up on it now. So 
I hope they have a change of heart or I hope they sell it on to maybe another publisher who wants to, you know, really utilize it. But yeah, that's all I have to say. Absolutely. And I'm also going to give a shout out to Mr. Tony Polanco, who was in the chat. He also enjoyed Hitman uh, as well. So, you know, I mean, the game is good. It's just, you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate with Square Enix making that decision. But I guess they decided this is what's best for business. You know, we know a lot of people who say what's best for business. Um, but I don't know, man. Uh, and I, again, I am concerned for any other franchise that is currently there. Square Enix will get, you know, again, Tomb Raider, as I mentioned before. And, you know, now they are taking a break from Tomb Raider, a, a small break, so they can focus on these Marvel games. So Deus Ex also. Yeah. Um, I, I, I I don't know, man. I don't know what's going to happen with these franchises if this is the type of way that they're running the practice. But we'll yeah, see. that's an interesting point because uh, Miguel in the chat he said I feel like Square dropped it because of Marvel. So like, do you really think uh, Square was like, okay, we got this Marvel uh, license now, so fuck all these other games. Let's you know, let's focus on that. This. Maybe, maybe. I mean, the, the funny thing about business is that that's not within, that's not outside the realm of possibility. But I don't think the two are really related. I think that they they have their hands in many different hats, and they, they have many different things going on at the same time. But who knows? At this point, there, there's no way to know for certain unless somebody actually says, "Yeah, we dropped Hitman because we had all this other stuff happening right now." Well, that that is a very good point. I, I will say though, if they, if that is what they did, oh, then man, I'll be very concerned about every other franchise. You know, you know, like I said, Tomb Raider, Deus Ex, two other games published by Square Enix. So I, I don't know, um, I don't know how that's going to turn out. We have to see what happens with that. Obviously, the Marvel games are not coming out for a while. Um, man, we may get some news on that at E three also. So we'll see, but. Uh, Hitman, I don't know what's going to happen with Hitman. Hopefully, it does still survive all of this. IO Interactive is a pretty good studio. Um, so hopefully, yeah, they have more that they can do with that. But we'll have to see how everything turns out. So, um, I don't know. Any other thoughts, Gary, or are you, you good to go on to the next topic? No, I'm good. Okay, so this next topic. And this is this is all you, Gary. Mass Effect Andromeda. You know, you finished Mass Effect Andromeda. Uh, I believe I yeah. said on on last week's show that I um I may not finish this game because there is just so much to do in the game, which is good, which is good. But you have to actually enjoy the story, all this other stuff, and and, and you know, based on because I know we have another friend, Ramis, who has been playing the game. Also, he did not like. Uh, you know how the game turned out um, so now we are finding out that Bioware has decided that uh, they're going to put Mass Effect on hold for a while uh, they have also delayed uh, the next Bioware project they've already said now again to their credit they did say the delaying the other Bioware project was not related to this one which I still think I don't fully believe that uh, but they pretty much have this other studio that worked on Mass Effect Andromeda now as a support studio. And this, this, the series is on hold for now. So I wanted to get your thoughts first and foremost as someone who just completed Mass Effect Andromeda. And I know that you said multiple times on this show 
that it felt like a chore to get through the game. This is why you was very disappointed. So I want to ask you, are you surprised that EA has made this decision? Uh, do you think it was the right decision? Um, and what do you think about what, what do you think is going to ultimately happen with this franchise? Yeah, um, I mean, uh, I'm glad Tony Polanco's in the chat actually, because um, you know I know he actually I think he enjoyed the ending and everything, and I think he enjoyed the game throughout. Now, me personally, you know, the game it started off great. Like I liked the exploration and you know learning about you know this new galaxy and everything, but eventually it got to a point where it got very stale for me and started to feel very shallow um the story wasn't you know uh, at, at some point it you know the the quality of the writing started to dip a bit i think and you know all the the, the missions the side missions and stuff started to feel like filler so yeah this game definitely suffered from some problems i think um and i don't want to discredit the the dev studio that worked on it because quality wise you know it's good like it it had its issues with animations and stuff like that obviously but visually there are some impressive looking textures and you know designs in this game so you know i want to give them their due diligence um there are a lot of bugs though unfortunately but you know it's it's still you know a well put together game for a support studio you know this was supposed to be a support studio and they kind of just you know gave them this game to work on and they did a, an excellent job considering, you know, considering that they're not the original Mass Effect team. Um, but yeah, uh, I feel like, you know, in terms of the name, you know, Mass Effect, this game did not live up to what we've seen before in this, you know, in, in, in that IP. So them taking a break, I think, yeah, maybe that's a good idea because unless, you know, EA's heart is really into making a true successor to the Mass Effect trilogy, then I would rather it just go away at this point. Because, you know, we all know the, the potential that Mass Effect has. Like, there's so many things they can do in that universe. There's so many stories they can tell. You know, it's it's like, it's an infinite, infinite amount of stories and, you know, experiences that you could associate with Mass Effect. But if, if they're not going to, you know, put their all into this and, you know, um, uphold the quality of the, the first Mass Effect games, then I would rather it go away. So maybe it's a good move to just put it on hold. And, you know, uh, maybe, you know, in five to 10 years from now or whatever, maybe they'll be in a different mind state. Maybe they'll be, you know, ready to revisit it and make something good of it. Because I feel like Andromeda ultimately wasn't what I was after. It, you know, it started to feel that way during the start. And that's when I wrote that article. Um, Tony also wrote a, a, an excellent article about it as well but then you know at some point you know around like the 20 hour mark or so it just it, it just for me it kind of fell apart and just started to feel real shallow and you know just uh just too bloated for me um but yeah that, that's how I feel about it I feel like it needs to be put on hold at this current moment because you know EA has Star Wars so let them do their Star Wars thing right now and then you know they can come back to Mass Effect when they really, really want to put their heart into it. Uh, what are you going to say? I have to ask this question because I can't resist. So, Gary, are you saying that they should have called this game Micro Effect? Um, because you know it didn't, it didn't leave a, a huge impact. Now, for those that are diehard Mass Effect fans, it did leave a huge impact. It gave them a very bad feeling about listen, Bioware, EA, equally to blame for 
why the game did not live up to the expectations. But uh, yeah, Micro Effect, that possibly was a better name, and that could have been a new franchise instead of Mass Effect, but they said no, Mass Effect Andromeda. Um, yeah, so. I mean, maybe, maybe they could have pitched it a different way, you know, like just okay, this this isn't, you know, going to be what the, the type of game you're expecting. This is just, you know, something additional, you know, or something like maybe they could have pitched it a different way and it would have, you know, it would have been received a bit differently. I don't know, but I just feel like, you know, it, it didn't live up to what we were expecting. Yeah, well, um, as someone who has been playing Mass Effect and did stop playing it, I, I do have to agree, um, I just think it's unfortunate for people who are fans of the series. Uh, and then, you know, it doesn't help when there are a lot of other excellent, excellent games out there right now, like Horizon Zero Dawn, like uh, Zelda, so on and so forth, to take a lot of people's attention. Uh, you know, this is a game that when it was coming in, it's like, oh, this game has to, you know, you already know, you know, most of us who are Mass Effect fans, you're like, oh, man, there's no way this, this game is going to be, this is our most anticipated game of the year. And unfortunately, it's, you know, I don't think it's up there anymore. And, you know, I'll be very interested to see when we have our end of the year discussion about games. You know, when we talk about uh, the uh, disappointments, the biggest disappointments of the year, I'll be very curious to see whether or not this is in that discussion. Um, but I don't know. It's unfortunate. Uh, Mr. Lugo, do you have any thoughts on Mass Effect Andromeda? On the outside looking in, because I have not played Mass Effect yet, but I've seen how things have unfolded both on social media and when you guys talk about the game and a lot of the discussion behind it. Uh, I think that it sucks for a lot of the fans that are out there, especially when you look at some of the videos and some of the other aspects about the game that have been spotlighted by people who have feel like they've kind of, you know, got the short end of the stick, that they felt like the game just wasn't up to the level of quality that we know Mass Effect as a series can be. That sucks. And I think putting it on ice for a little while is a good decision. I think it's good maybe to go away for at least a couple of years before we get the next Mass Effect. I really believe also that maybe EA and Bioware are probably rethinking their strategy about Mass Effect. They're probably changing up some of their original plans of what they were going to do after uh, Andromeda. Because I would not be surprised, especially if we hear something like that maybe down the line. If we ever get to hear about the whatever the next Mass Effect game would be afterwards, or if they decide to maybe just go to back to the drawing board and actually restart the actual series or the new saga, I should say, where the next game doesn't really relate too much to Andromeda, I wouldn't be surprised if that was a thing that was being talked about because it seems that a lot of what went down with Mass Effect Andromeda, especially the perception of it, was not in their favor. There, there was just way too many things that just came together that were just really bad and that people just did not enjoy it, did not take a liking to that caused at least a bad reception or a bad release by the time the game came out. And I'm not addressing any of the stuff that happened that we've talked about on the on the show before. I'm talking about strictly just the game and the reception as far as like the sales, as far as like the word of mouth about the game itself. So maybe, maybe we hear about some stuff not this year at E3, maybe next year or the following year about whatever they decide to do with that series. Because like Gary said, they got Star Wars now to think about, or at least EA has Star Wars to think about. So that's where the space stuff is going to be at, or at least for a time. Remember, they still got Amy Heading's Star Wars game that hasn't been talked about, the visceral one. That's just been whatever it's been in the background for a long time. So maybe maybe this year we get Star Wars Battlefront 2, next year will be whatever that visceral game is, and then maybe they go back to Mass Effect down the line, or at least as far as being the game that gets a lot of spotlight for them. Yes. Well, we'll see what happens. 
Um, I don't know, man. Uh, I, I mean, I'm glad that the series is taking a break. I, I feel like I have to ask this question again, even though I've already asked it on other episodes. I have to ask this question again. So, when Mass Effect comes back, can we expect to see Commander Shepard return? Um, to be honest, I mean, I know a lot of people are holding on to hope for that to happen, but I feel like they don't need to do that. I feel like there's there's so many more stories they can tell in the Mass Effect universe, and they, you know, they can move away from that, like because there's just so many so many things they can focus on. Other than that, I mean, that's just one event that happened. You know, we can talk about what happens after that, like you know, in the future. Or, you know, well, I don't want them to do a prequel, really, because we already know how things turn out with the Reapers anyway. But, um, yeah, there, there's so much more they can do than just Shepard, I think. Yeah, I mean, I'm maybe they, they can... Yeah, they could just have references to what happened to Shepard and not actually have him in the game. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they could do that. We'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Uh, they should at least acknowledge it. I feel like that that's a thing where a lot of people that have been sticking with and that were interested in Andromeda invested a lot of time in the series. And I felt like, especially if they had ever gone with the idea of releasing those original three games on the newer consoles, like they just re-released them again, you know, as far as like getting more people involved with it. But the people that were really down with it, I feel like they, 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 they almost, with the time and the fandom that they put into it, the support they've been behind uh bioware and behind mass effect for all this time they deserve at least nods to that because remember andromeda was supposed to be a completely separate galaxy where it's like a fresh start so i mean if people aren't liking andromeda right now i mean do they really want to linger on that same type of uh that same type of bl- uh, blueprint or that game plan that they've been do that they've had you know and people just didn't take a liking to it uh, i feel like at least people were vocal enough that they wanted stuff like again either commander shepherd coming back or references to shepherd in whatever new game that they have at least that'll be a good direction to go to at least as far as making good faith for all the people that were pretty much turned off to andromeda yeah well i mean we'll, we'll see what happens uh, uh a break is needed you know they can have some time to rethink a couple of things. But I, 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 do, I did want to say this. I have to point this out. Now, understand that, uh, once again, Bioware they made a couple of mistakes with the game. I've said before, I, you know, EA as, as well has to take some blame. You know, I don't really think that they needed to have the game out when they decided to release it. But I will say, you know, for now... I would give EA the benefit of the doubt. But if now we have, of course, Battlefront 2 is coming out later this year. Uh, we have a couple of the EA games coming out later this year. Now, if any of these games have any issues, and it's the issues where, you know, because they decide to release it at a time when it's way too many other games coming out and people are not going to focus on it, then at that point, I am going to shine the light on EA because... There's too many issues that we've had already with Titanfall 2, a game that everyone says this is an excellent single-player campaign. Um, but they decide to release this within the same time frame of Battlefield 1, thinking people are going to buy both games. And I still have an issue with that because Titanfall 2 deserved a lot more attention. Um, you know, and so we'll see what happens. And we have Mass Effect now, a game which obviously wasn't really polished it needed a lot more polishing, in my opinion, before they dropped it. So, 
I, I do think that, you know, I, I give them the benefit of the doubt. Okay, you, you rushed out this, that, that game, that other game, you had to get it out. But now let's see what happens with the rest of their games they're releasing moving forward. But if they, if it is another issue where it's the issue on their part of why it isn't successful, then I, I have to say, EA, listen, man, they got to get it together with this stuff. But we'll see what happens. I'm looking forward to Battlefront 2. I have high hopes for it. I really like the trailer. So we'll see what happens with that. But uh, any final thoughts on this topic before we move on to the next? Yeah, um, I mean, Mass Effect is a great sci-fi space um, franchise, I think. Uh, but at the moment, there's a lot of focus on Star Wars with the movies being back. And of course, Star Wars, I mean, EA has the license. And so uh, I think it's okay for them to just shift their focus to the Star Wars stuff for now. And then, you know, once they've got that out of their system, I think it's, it'll be a great idea then to revisit Mass Effect. And hopefully they'll put more care and attention into it. So, yeah, that's my final word on it. Yeah, yeah, Star Wars, it's all about Star Wars now, so can't mess that up. They have to have that, be on point with all of that. So we'll see when we go to E3 if we actually do get some hands-on time with the game. I don't really know how that's going to work out yet, but uh, that's another topic to be discussed after we have recorded the show. <laughs> Alright, so let's move on to our next topic. Uh, Halo 6. You know, This is a game that uh, Gary he just can't wait for Halo. He said that he's uh he's gonna pick up a Scorpio as soon as Halo Six gets announced and they have a release date. He he did tell me that you know off air. Wait you know, wait wait. You know, which, which Gary are we talking about? We're talking about you. We're talking about you, man. You said yeah. You're picking up Halo Six. Exposed. Uh, yeah yeah. <laughs> but but in all seriousness, three four three Industries they have already come out and said that Halo Six will not be at E three, but something else will. So. I wanted to ask the question, what do you guys think is going to be there? Because I have a thought as to what is going to be there. I think it's pretty obvious. But, Gary, tell me what you think is going to get announced. Uh, well, I'm interested in hearing what you think is going to be there because I, I have no idea, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, I, like, I, I, think it's very, I think it's very obvious. I think, finally, they're going to announce Halo 5 is coming to PC. Oh, okay. that's not a that's not a hype announcement. That's like <laughs> I, I would respect a little bit more, Rich, if he came in and said like whatever the next Halo game is going to be called is going to be called something different. It's not going to be called Halo Six. That's what I was expecting. Oh. I really believe their their marquee game to to get people on board with Scorpio, especially the Xbox crowd, would be a new Halo. They just won't call it Halo Six. That that I could believe. I, I believe that more than likely maybe they're working on halo 6 as a separate project because 343 stu studios and microsoft is not stupid i mean yeah. uh, granted halo 6 might be not being at e3 that you know that does kind of suck for that crowd or at least for that audience i can understand that but most of the conversation is going to be around what scorpio is and granted i still believe there should be big games talked about in relation to what scorpio is as far as like reasons why people should be picking up that console but i could totally believe more so that maybe they announced that Halo 5 is coming to PC and that it's, you know, part of that Xbox Play Anywhere type of deal. But I believe, like, maybe you actually hint at the next Halo. If not, if Halo 6 is not at the show, maybe they tease everybody with a trailer. See, or say see, that, hey, we got something else down the line. See, see, here's the thing. they That, that statement, when they said, they said, we're not going to be revealing the next 
major game in the Halo series. They, they did say Halo 6, but then they also mentioned, we're not going to talk about the next major game yet. So I don't know if that was a swerve to just tell people we're not going to talk about it and then they are actually going to talk about it. Um, I do think that, uh, you know, obviously uh, ODST is another game that a lot of people, I don't really know people who want to see that game come back or a remastered version of that. Uh, Halo Reach, another game that I believe is backwards compatible now. I don't know if people want to see a remaster of that either. Um, so I don't really know what 343 is going to reveal. Now, I would hope for them to reveal something that is totally different from Halo altogether to show that they actually can work on other stuff. But the, everyone on that team is the, is the Halo, is from the Halo team. So I, I don't really think that, uh, they are going to try and stick to doing something different. Um, with that said, maybe perhaps we can get a game that focuses just on Spartan Lock. And I'm pretty sure Gary would love to see that because, you know, that's Spartan Lock was pretty much the star of Halo 5. So. Uh, well, I mean, I still don't even know what Spartan Lock is, to be honest with you. I just remember a lot of people <laughs> complaining about Hey, listen, hey, listen, Gary, you, you should listen. This is the brother that, that didn't get killed. You know, every time you see a movie or uh, something and there's, you know, the minorities getting killed, this is the one brother that didn't get killed in the in the Halo series. So one, one of a few. So he should, he should be easy to remember him for that reason. Um, okay, maybe I have to play that then because I'm, I'm, I've been playing Walking Dead and it's like all the black people died straight away <laughs> in that game. Yeah. Wow. Well, well, well. Listen, this is the guy that you know. He's also Luke Cage, Marvel's Luke Cage, this same actor. So you know, I, I know that Halo Five focused primarily on that team. Yeah, it was about Master Chief again, but this guy was in most of that game. So if they decided to have a spinoff of that character, that could be an announcement as well. But what I think 343 needs to do, again, they need to announce that they're working on something totally different from Halo. Um, and maybe perhaps that is something that they will consider because the other news that came out this week was that uh, the guy behind Halo Wars 2 has also left and is no longer working on that. So, I, I mean, I don't really know what uh, 343 has planned. Um, obviously Halo Wars 2 as an RTS game is a hard sell it didn't quite be meet the expectations that if Microsoft even had any expectations for it, it didn't meet it so I don't really know what 343 is working on now outside of Halo, we already know Halo 6 is coming I have though. a vision okay, what's the vision? I, I have a vision of a Cortana game where you, you have to play this game is completely um, you know, voice commands like on Windows 10 <laughs> when you have to use Cortana. So, wow. like, the game will be all voice commands, and the game will also be VR, and it will just be you controlling C Cortana. You know they, something? They do I, I, you know something? I'm down with the idea of having a spin-off game like that. Maybe that's what 343 is doing. It just don't call it Halo 6. Maybe that's why. That's I really believe that whatever it is that they're doing is Halo related. I don't think it's something that's non-Halo related because I feel like they've been they I think they've talked about a couple times that they're working on Halo stuff for like the longest and like they they haven't been open about getting away from Halo. That that's one thing I will say. You haven't seen them or anybody else that related to them talking about getting away from the Halo franchise because they're the studio that now does that is working on new games for them like that and I still believe like that's what you lead Scorpio with that's how you get everybody's attention with it 
So maybe if it's not Halo 6, maybe it's a spinoff uh, game starring Spartan Lock, kind of like ODST or kind of like Reach. I could totally believe that. To me, that seems rather probable. And next year, talk about Halo 6 or the year after that, talk about Halo 6. But I, I still believe we're going to get something Halo related. I, I really believe, like at least something, even if it's not named Halo 6. Yeah, I, I you know, it, that that is... That, that would make sense, you know. This is, a lot of people would try to downplay, but no doubt about it, this E3 is very, very important for Microsoft, and not just because of Scorpio, you know, they, they have a lot of things they have to do with that device. You have to sell people on why they, why it is a, a device that you should check out if you are interested in it. And then you have to also show people who currently have an Xbox One, such as me, well, what games are coming to the system? Because at this point, Yes, we could say that they are third-party titles, but where the hell are the exclusives that you know people have been waiting for? So uh, this is a very important E3 for Microsoft. I think Halo will definitely be there in some capacity. I don't really know if they're going to really show anything with Halo 6. They may could just say, yeah, the new Halo game is in development and leave it at that, although that would not make people maybe get a little annoyed about that also i I believe that's what we're gonna get i really believe that's what we're gonna get because they're just not gonna just not talk about it that's what every that's what a lot of people really want right now especially after what's been what happened with halo 5 yes you know i I feel like that's like seems like the easiest layout for scorpio oh it just does for on top of whatever else they show that's actually there and just to know know that there's a halo game coming and, and, and one other thing that they could do if they, like they said, oh, it, well, it won't be at the E3 show. They could very easily just show you everything. This is everything that we have to show you. And then as the show is ending and over, wait. Then you see something for Halo 6. Because technically, it would not be at the show since the conference already ended. But I don't think they're going to do nothing like that. Um, we just have to see what it is that they actually talk about. But like you say, it, yeah, I, I think they have to mention the the new halo one way or another uh because yeah this is one of their major major uh well this is pretty much their mascot for xbox master chief is so you have to mention halo in some capacity um now i still do want to see other new ips i want to see and like i said 343 actually announced something outside of halo i'll be very surprised because I mean, that whole studio is is everybody has worked on Halo. That's all that they've worked on. So we'll have to see what happens. But uh, ultimately, very, very interested to see what it does, what it is that Microsoft actually brings to the table and she talks about at their conference in a couple of weeks. It's going to be very interesting. Um, and, you know, by this time, in about four weeks or so, we'll, we will know exactly because the show will be going on around this time. So we'll see what happens. Wow, time is going so fast. Yes, yes, it is. We're already, we're already uh, close to being halfway over with May. So, E three really is here. About a month away. We're about a month away. It's almost yes. done. Absolutely. So, uh, any final thoughts on this topic before we wrap up with the main topic for today? No more thoughts from me. Okay, so. Now we're going to get into the main discussion, and this is obviously a topic, you know, Gary, since you put this link in here, I'm going to let you talk more about this, but this has to do with the report that came out recently uh, in which basically based on the numbers, the people who voted, most people in America, that's what you had stated in this quote, 
said that they are they will prefer a Nintendo Switch instead of a PlayStation 4 Pro and an Xbox Scorpio. Now, I do have something to say about this particular topic, but I'm going to let you just basically talk more about what was the point of this uh, whole survey and where did all this information come from? Yeah, so basically they they did a survey and um uh, you know, obviously with surveys it's always a bit of a uh, a questionable thing because you don't know the sample of people that they actually asked and stuff. But yeah, supposedly they did this survey and only 11% of people have ever heard of Project Scorpio and 20% of people for PS4 Pro. And yeah, so like the result of the survey basically showed that you know people aren't really phased by ps4 pro and scorpio like they're not really that interested in you know those particular products and uh, i mean they also did say that um uh that you know it, the awareness of the consoles were um more high for people over the age of 13 and stuff so i guess you know it is an age bracket as well to the people who actually care about the products but ultimately, you know, the sample of people that they surveyed, the majority of them um, aren't really bothered by, you know, they don't, they don't care about Scorpio and PS4 Pro much. So that made me pose the question for, our, you know, because we, we got to have some sort of interesting discussion every week. Uh, um, so that made me pose the question, has Sony and Microsoft misunderstood what their audience actually wants? So do... Does their consumer base actually want these consoles? Basically. So yeah, what do you right. guys think? Well, 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 before I before I answer that question, let, let me just quickly address this uh, particular survey study. Um, this is why uh, you know. Again, let me just say a couple of things. I'm not surprised that a lot of people would prefer the Switch. Because in most places, it is very hard to get a Switch. I have been trying to get a Switch ever since launch because I did not pre-order the system and have had no success with that. So I feel like this right now is the hot item. It's the most in-demand item because everybody wants it. It is new. It's still relatively new. The system just came out in March. So, yeah, I, I would expect that to be something that a lot of people want more than the PlayStation 4 Pro. Now, as for the Scorpio, we don't know any other information about the Scorpio. So I think it's ridiculous that they even included that in the survey to begin with, because we don't know. Microsoft hasn't revealed any information about this system outside the specs. Now, if they did this survey a year from now, when the Scorpio has already been out and PlayStation 4 Pro is out, everything is out, then I think you will begin some interesting numbers because then if the Switch at that point is still the popular item, then I say, okay, well, then yeah, that's good because Scorpio is already out in the wild, so on and so forth. But no one knows nothing about the Scorpio. So I think it's silly that they would even ask people, you know, to, to, to compare. You know, if this was just about the Xbox One, that's different. But they specifically mentioned Scorpio in that report. So I thought that's very, uh, you know, a little ridiculous to mention that. But, um, just to go back to what I said, yes, the Switch is the hot item. It is in demand the most. So I'm not surprised with those numbers. Um, so I didn't want to get that point out the way. Now, to answer the question about has Sony and Microsoft misunderstood what their audience wants, um, with the PlayStation 4 Pro, I think uh, everyone is getting on this 4K phenomenon. 
they don't really know yet how that's going to pan out. And and I would say VR is also the same in that extent. No one really knows yet the full potential of VR. So they're just taking the gamble with the times to see how it pans out. But I, I wouldn't say that Sony has uh, lost track of their audience. I mean, it, to be quite honest, Sony, is they probably get the audience the most this generation. Because look at the fact that it's the top selling console. They made a, a, a decision to focus on gamers, focus on giving people games. They're not talking about entertainment and TV and all this other stuff. Yes, they do talk about PlayStation View from time to time. Uh, but their focus has been solely on games. So I think that they get the audience because when you pick up a console, you want to play a game. Nine times out of ten, you don't want to be sitting getting the console to watch movies and TV. I mean, those are other things you can do, but the console is for games. And I think so far this generation, PlayStation, this is why they are number one, because they're focusing on the gamers, what the gamers want. And that's it. They're giving them everything that they want. Franchises that they've been asking for a long time where is this franchise sony is actually putting their money where their mouth is and giving people what they want so i don't think they've lost track of the audience um microsoft though yes you can make the case for microsoft they have lost their way um they are improving with phil spencer in terms of what he's been doing and they are getting more people to finally check out the xbox one i have no doubt a lot of people will pick up the scorpio but yes, uh, um, I don't think that uh, Sony has lost track of the audience. Microsoft, they did lose track in the beginning because of the messaging. They are starting to get some stuff back, though. But um, that's just my thoughts. I'm very curious to hear what you guys have to say about this particular question. You, you raised a good point when you um, said, you know, about Microsoft not having fully revealed Project Scorpio yet, because I think a lot of us underestimate the power of e3 like because you know us guys in particular like you know everybody listening to this podcast and us on the panel and you know the throwdown guys and everyone in our circle you know we're highly invested in the gaming industry so nothing gets by us without us realizing but you know to outsiders who don't follow it as closely e3 is a big deal because it's like a coming out party so it is right to assume that a lot of people probably don't know what project scorpio is like i've got friends who casually play games you know and they always come to me when like whenever they want to buy a new console or something they come to me like they don't actually know what's out at the moment they you know they look for someone to inform them or they look up the information themselves but there are people who don't generally pay attention to what's going on every day in the gaming industry so yeah, there probably is a lot of people who don't know what the PS4 Pro and the Scorpio are right now because they're not that interested or they're not that invested as we are. So yeah, um, E3 is a big deal, and you were right when you said, um, you know, they they don't know about Scorpio because E3 hasn't had their coming out party yet. You know, they haven't revealed it yet, and when they do at E3, then it's going to be all over the news headlines and you know on TV and all that stuff, and that will make more people aware of it. So yeah, you you uh that was a good point you made. And also Tony Polanco just pointed out that that survey they only you know they only had two thousand people that they asked, which is very low. Um, but yeah, still an interesting discussion to have regardless. But what was you gonna say, JJ? 
I was basically going to say that I, I agree on most of the points, and I think it's all pretty obvious. A lot of it is based on common sense. Uh, keep in mind, there's a lot of parallels between what we consider now as mid-gen consoles or mid-gen upgrades. I think that's what they pretty much are. It's very similar to how it was back in the day between the SNES uh, Model 1, or at least the NES Model 1 and the top loader. It's the same type of principle, same type of idea. People in general, the common consumer outside of us and outside of the people that really pay attention to blogs, videos, YouTube channels, and any of the news that comes out, they don't care about mid-gen upgrades. They don't care about that type of stuff. What a lot of people that have been against like stuff like the PlayStation 4 Pro and even the Scorpio to an extent, their argument to that is, is that it's not a true upgrade to a new generation of consoles. It's still essentially the same hardware with a little bit of extra fluff uh, put on top of it. Now, there's reasons why that's yay or nay or why that's valid or not, you know, that people can argue and debate about. It's very subjective. But the common person is not going to care about the PlayStation 4 Pro compared to the PlayStation 4 uh, was it original. They're just going to look at it as just the PlayStation 4. Their first question that's going to come out their mouth is when's the PlayStation 5? And it's the same thing with Project Scorpio, because I feel like Project Scorpio is not the name of that console. That's always been a codename. And all of us, because we're invested, like what Gary said, in the eco chamber that is the gaming industry, we all know it as Project Scorpio. And we're, it's going to change that you at some point. The common person probably hears that name is like, that sounds stupid. Why do I care about it? It sounds very niche and something I'm not going to understand. So they're obviously not going to care about that. The report itself is reaching, not only just because of the pool of people that it's pulling from the 2000 or so people that, that you mentioned, Gary, but also the fact that because it's including consoles that aren't out right now, that's not actively available to consumers, even the Nintendo switch to an extent, the Nintendo switch is out now, but it's had a very rocky uh, start where because the word of mouth is, is that it's not in stores right now. I'm pretty sure a lot of people that may want to get a Nintendo switch almost don't care at this point until they figure out, or at least they hear that there's enough stock for everybody to go around. We had the same thing happen with the Wii back in the day. And even the Wii U to an extent, you can even argue with the Nintendo 3DS if we're sticking to Nintendo consoles. People only care about when it's uh, care about stuff when it when it's made simple, when it's available to them, when they can reasonably get it, and when it doesn't make them feel stupid. Okay, so at least those are the types of different things that maybe this uh, particular study doesn't take into account and doesn't really almost kind of ignores to an extent because I don't think it's really fair at this point in time to compare the PlayStation 4 Pro to the Switch to the Project Scorpios on account that one of them is not even out yet and let alone hasn't even fully established what that console is. They, we don't know the identity of that console other than the fact that apparently it's going to be a beast. And it's very hard even to do that, even with the specs info that we have now, because we just don't have a console unit in front of us to compare it to. Yeah. 100% correct on everything. Um, we, we have to see, we have to see, it, it just, it just, yeah, I mean, you guys, there's nothing else I can say that, you know, you guys pretty much said everything that I was thinking um one point that i want to add though rich that i think we should acknowledge because you mentioned about vr before we're in the yeah. same position right now with the mid-gen upgrades this is what i'm going to refer to them as now but, you know playstation 4 pro and whatever project scorpio is going to be we're at that same point now that we were with vr last year or even the year before that because everybody is feeling the exact same way about vr and this is coming from someone that's played vr games that's seen vr games at events and seen how the people that are invested within the eco chamber that is the games industry are very vocal about their opinions about it compared to the common person that re reasonably can't go out and get a vr system even for their playstation 4 right now we're almost in the exact same spot that we were back then 
Yeah, that's a very good point. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we have to see what happens with this. Yeah, I mean, Scorpio is, as I said before, you know, it, it, this is going to be a very important E3 for Microsoft more than anyone else because, yeah, Scorpio, everyone needs to figure out what this is. Uh, whether or not it's going to be called Scorpio may very well be called the Xbox One Pro, although I hope to hell they don't do that. Um, we'll see. But um, it's going to be very interesting to see how all this pans out. And uh, yeah, the survey, as you guys said, I don't really think it was the, the best survey to, to use as, as an example. But obviously, you know, Switch is in a lot of demand now because a lot of people can't get a Switch. Um, so... I'm not surprised if they do that survey a year from now, they have a lot more people involved. Then I think it will maybe be very different in terms of what the actual results are, but we'll see. So uh, anything else to say on this topic before we wrap up today's show? Uh, I, I did want to segue into another topic, but uh, yes. firstly, let me, uh, I'm just going to answer uh, the question real quick as well. Now, okay. I don't think, I don't necessarily think Sony's um, misunderstood its consumer base because like you guys already said, you know, they're, they're in a, a great position already. And so far this year, they've delivered on the games front. Um, I think the question mark right now is really on Microsoft because um, they're they're in danger of misunderstanding what people want completely because they they definitely cannot you know have like their whole show focused on the hardware without showing us some some new ips you know and, and an abundance of software so yeah i hope uh, microsoft really understands what they need to do right now and i hope they will deliver when you know e3 rolls around because they're if, if any company is in danger of misunderstanding, then it's them right now. Um, the 4K thing, yeah, I mean, 4K is it's going to be, you know, the standard at some point in the future. But right now, I don't feel like enough people care enough to to want to buy these consoles. Like, yeah, there are people who are, you know, super invested in you know, quality TVs and you know, 4k experience and stuff and they they'll probably be the ones that will adopt these systems but that you know that's that doesn't account for the whole consumer base so i think they have to remember that and they have to kind of ease these things in um, a lot slower because you know not everyone's ready to make that jump yet so Wait, I, the game games are the most important thing right now go ahead yeah i, I just gonna make a very quick comment when you mentioned 4k and, and and just to piggyback off of what you said about 4k even the, the devs themselves are still trying to adapt and figure out whether or not that's an option that they want to do. Because I did hear, uh, you know, of course, with Prey being out, the PlayStation 4 Pro enhancements still are not, this, that, those enhancements have still not been added to the game. Um, and this is a game that has now been out for a week. So I don't really think, I mean, obviously they are going to enhance it because it says on the box it is enhanced, but those enhancements are not out there yet. You know, if you look on YouTube, you look on Google, you will see that there is no information about what the enhancements are and when it's coming. So this is something that Bethesda will probably add later. But what I'm saying is that the developers, they don't even have the urgency to, to make sure that the games support 4K yet, which lets you know this is still something where we're going to see where the market goes and then they'll heavily support it. The developers, the technology, everything like that. That's all I was going to add. 
You'll start to see that change when everything becomes available easily to customers. Like that, that's when more people will eventually care about it. It's it could be applied to the same thing to VR. It could be applied to 4K gaming because even though there's 4K TVs on the market, not everybody buys them. And because most of the time, because why would you pay the extra amount of money when you can't really tell the extra difference in the quality of the picture you're looking at? Because you give someone that uh, an HD TV as it is that isn't 4K, they're going to be like, "Yo, I'm good." Why do I need to pay the extra couple hundred dollars for it for the for the one afterwards? That's just real talk, and that that could be applied to anything right now when it comes to stuff that right now 4K gaming is a luxury in gaming right now at this point, at least to me from from my understanding, because not everybody has the systems or not everybody has the setup and the tools available to them easily for them to just have that and get that same type of experience. But as technology changes over the next few years, that'll change, especially when it becomes cheaper to put out there. That's true. Yep, you're right about that. 100% correct. But uh, go ahead, Gary. You you wanted to continue. Yeah, no, you, you both make great points there. Uh, but I, I feel like even when, you know, Scorpio is out as well, it's going to be a while before all studios and developers make games for 4K. You know, it's going to be a long time. It's going to be a slow, gradual process for all the games to be like, you know, to support 4K. Um, but if the technology's there, then at least it's there. And then, you know, we can move on and focus on the games and the quality of the games after that. But yeah, that's it's not what people are looking for right now. You know, like people just want games. They want good experiences. So that should always be the focus. But um, the thing I, well, I wanted to segue into something else. So are, you, are we done with this topic? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So since we've been recording this show, two people have brought up VR to me. Uh, one of them is um, our friend Carl Daniel, who used to write for the Coalition, and Miguel in the chat just brought up PSVR. He's, he asked, um, I guess I'm the only one enjoying PSVR. And, you know, Carl said earlier, he actually sent this as a text. He said, um, you know, is uh, is VR finished? Like, has it has it ended already? You know, like the craze for VR. And that's that's a legit question because it's almost been a year now since you know VR like last year throughout all of 2016 VR was hyped up, and now I feel like we we haven't really seen enough VR experiences. So, how do you guys feel about VR at the moment? It's exactly like how I said when when VR first started coming up in the conversation when we talked about it many times on the co-op podcast. VR is going to be is going to lie somewhere beyond gaming. It's it's not going to be something that sticks with gaming for a long time, and it's not going to take off for a long time because there needs to be something that happens that sparks that interest in the mainstream for people to really dive into VR. Because as a right as literally similar to what we were talking about just now the technology for vr even with psvr and some of the other devices that we have out on the market it's not easy to get a setup to make that experience readily available to the common person easily it's very expensive uh it requires a lot of different components not just one or two different things especially if you're going with something outside of psvr you know if you're going with the oculus or the vive or any of those different devices where you need a ridiculously good pc in order to make stuff work the thing is, is that even then, some of the games that are out there, even though some of them are pretty cool, like I've played, uh, was it, Robinson the Journey? I've seen other VR games like Thumper and had experiences like that. The, the problem is, is that you're not going to have developers that want to make games for uh, for ecosystems or, or for systems that people just aren't going to dive into in droves. 
the fact is they would rather put their energy towards developing something standard for the PlayStation 4 or for the Xbox One or for the PC or for the Nintendo Switch. They, it's a lot easier to do something like that and then take the risk and have a hard time developing a game that's going to work right in VR and then expect a good, uh, was it a good reception afterwards, especially with sales. But so unless like, you know, we start having like machines or something that allows us to go to space easily alongside, uh, what is it? Alongside like, you know, NASA or something. Or we get like, like what I even said way back when, where we start having concerts where you could watch them in VR like that, a lot more concerts here and there. And that becomes something that you see on the rise or pushed by a lot of different places where the common person is like, okay, I want that. And they start doing that more often. VR is still going to be on an ever, uh, was it climbing up a steep hill? It's going to take years. It's not going to be anytime soon where VR is going to be a real thing. The only reason why we feel like it's a real thing is because again, we're within the echo chamber of the gaming industry. We're within people, we're alongside people that know what PSVR is and can tell the difference between a PSVR and Oculus Rift and a Vive. That's why we think like, you know, or at least some people feel like, yo, the hype seems like it's died a little bit, but I don't even think it's even really gotten started. I don't think it's done. Obviously, like I said before, VR's testing ground or stomping ground, it's it's pre-alpha phase is going to be here in the games industry. It's going to be a lot different past 2020, past 2025. Things are going to change radically. And that's when you're going to start seeing other implementations and other applications for VR technology. It's not going to just be PlayStation VR forever, and it's not going to be any one of those systems forever. Yeah, I uh, very good points. I just was going to add that. Um, I mean, yeah, it's we, we still have to be proven. I mean, I I, I just I, I don't really think uh, the software has been there quite yet. I mean, when we started this year, we had Resident Evil Seven which had VR support. And, and to me, that was one of the first games where I'm like, okay, maybe at that point, this is like, okay, this would be something that's great to play in PlayStation VR. Now, obviously, you have to have a little bit of courage to do that because I know quite a bit of people that have played this in VR and it's, they almost had a heart attack. So you, know, you have to be careful. But I, I think it, it comes down to having games that are created specifically for these devices that actually are great and not just a game that's a short little demo experience that you you have but actually a full-fledged game um i do understand that farpoint is this is one title that was pushed very highly at last year's e3 i remember us passing by that booth a couple times and the line for that game was just just ridiculous this is a game that's coming out on tuesday for PlayStation VR, and I'm very curious to see how that game is going to be received by the audience, whether or not it turns out to be a success for the studio, because that is a game that is heavily, heavily pushed as a PlayStation VR experience. So, I mean, when we get to E3 in a couple of weeks, we have to also see when Sony has their press conference of the games they show, how many of those games are actually going to be coming to PlayStation VR or have PlayStation VR support. I believe Grand, Grand Turismo Sport is supposed to have support. At least that's what I heard in the past. I don't know if that's still accurate. Um, but we need to see when Sony does their conference, when they show us these games, whether or not they have the support, that will show the audience what they believe in PlayStation VR support as well. Um, because that's where this is all important. But I, I have to agree that I, I really don't think that, I think that we just really got started with VR technology in terms of the games. 
and it should get better. There should be a lot more interesting experiences this year. Um, but whether or not it actually survives, we'll have to see. I mean, as long as the support is there, it should survive. But if no one is supporting this, these devices, then no, it won't survive. Um, but it's hard to really answer that question and say for sure VR is dead. I, I don't think it's dead. I think it's just beginning. But again, ask me that question in about six months and I may have a different answer completely. We'll see. Well, yeah, what I'm hoping, what I'm hoping is that when they reveal the Scorpio, they'll also, you know, um, push VR with it and say that, you know, that you can use Oculus or whatever headset, you know, they will have supporting the system. And then hopefully, like once Scorpio also supports VR, then um, more studios and publishers and developers will start pushing their games for, you know, VR overall. Because then every platform will support it, apart from the Switch. Yeah, and you know, uh, Microsoft is calling their uh, their little device uh, mixed reality. I don't know what that is yet. Um, we'll hear more about that at E three, but uh, I, I mean, we'll see what happens. It all depends on, I think, the support. You know, you need to see that there's actually software coming to this device to say, okay, it's worth picking up. Um, because I haven't really seen that quite yet. I haven't really felt like I needed to get a PlayStation VR. Um, maybe I will want one after I see what they show us at E3 and what the future is looking like for VR. But right now, I don't think they've done a good job selling me in particular as to why I need to get a PlayStation VR. But that's just my opinion. Um, we'll see what happens. But uh, any final thoughts? before we uh, wrap up today's show. Now that was it from me. Yeah, I'm good here too. Okay, so thank you all for checking out uh, this week's uh, episode of the Co-op Podcast. Um, as I mentioned before, when I started this show, definitely want to wish a happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. And, you know, if you are watching this show and you haven't yet called your mom or even talked to your mom, to tell a happy Mother's Day, you need to get your priorities in order and do that immediately. You know, do Step not have your game up, son. Just call That's your right. moms. That's right. Step That's it right. up. And, and and also just remember, you know, don't make it just today. Mother's Day is not really one holiday. This is, should be you should be honoring your parents every day that you get, you know, because you don't really know how long they're gonna be. Same for you as well. So just remember that stuff because it's important. Um, but yes, thank you all for listening. Uh you guys have any shout outs that you would like to give? Uh, you go first, Mr. Lugo. Uh, yeah, just shout out to everybody in the chat. Thank you, guys. We appreciate the support. Appreciate all the talk and all the conversation and the, the feedback and all the good food for thought you guys provide us where we could talk about a variety of gaming topics, even stuff that we don't even think of first, you know, as we're talking about stuff on the show. We really appreciate that. Word up to everybody out there. Again, happy Mother's Day to everybody that, uh, you know, celebrating, spending time with their moms or is a mother. I have a couple friends that just became mothers this uh -oh. year. Or at the end of last year that they just had their children which again word up now you're gonna know what it feels like for how it was for when your mom's was around you know supporting you and stuff but uh also word up and shout outs to the the patrons the patrons out there the patron supporters thank you we really appreciate all your guys goodwill your patronage and allowing us to keep doing what we love to do for all of you guys keep bringing you guys some great content and also again reminder 
I'm going to the Destiny 2 gameplay event this week. I'm leaving on Wednesday. I'm going to be out there for Thursday's event. I'm going to be checking out Destiny 2. I'm going to get us exclusive coverage of Destiny 2 while I'm out there. If you guys have any questions or any stuff that you guys want me to find out while I'm actually checking out Destiny 2 during that whole event, you guys might want to look for me on the streams in the audience. You know, you never know. Play like a game of Where's Waldo? Where's JJ? Over there, if you could catch me whiling out over whatever else, or like just getting mad upset of what I'm seeing. It doesn't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But let me know in the comments of this actual stream, or again, of this video, depending on when you're actually watching it, or in the comments of the coalition.com's website, uh, any of the articles, whether it's the, co- the co-op post there, or anything else. Send it to me, stuff on social media, on Twitter. You guys, uh, we have the Twitter. Uh, links to the Twitters that will be in the description box, if not also on the posting on the website that we have there. Let me know what's up and let me know what you guys want me to find out while I'm out there about the game. So I'm going to try to get uh, a little bit of everything for everybody, and it should be fun. I'm looking forward to it. So thank you. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I'm going to do my shout-outs. Yes, I would like to give a shout-out to everybody checking out today's show. Uh, shout-out to Mr. Tony Polanco. Uh, throw down your questions just tonight, so make sure you guys check that out. Um, want to give a shout out to all the Patreon subscribers, um, as well as the fans that continuously visit the website. You know, we do have quite a bit of things that are in the works. You know, we've been pretty busy with uh, other things going on in life, but believe me when I tell you that there's a ton of stuff that's going to be coming this week because, yes, there's quite a bit to catch up on. Um, and once again, a shout out to all the mothers. Uh, the single fathers as well. I saw a lot of people writing that stuff, so I'm going to go ahead and just say the same for them as well. Um, and yes, Gary, the floor is now yours. Yeah, uh, firstly, I just wanted to send a big shout to Mr. Torrance Davis because, you know, he is publishing a book that talks about, you know, his 20 plus year run as a video games journalist and, you know, gaming enthusiast and everything. Uh, the book will be called Rebel Without a Pause Button. And I did an interview with him, which is on our YouTube channel and on our website. So go check that out at thecoalition.com. And shouts to Torrance for, for doing the interview. And uh, as always, shouts to all of our Patreon supporters. That's M. Collins, Sean Doherty, Stephen Piron, Mauricio Aguilar, Himdil, Fergus Mills. Ladawin Leslie, Nicholas Alvarez, and Nick Piazzo. We appreciate all of you. Your support goes very far. It, it keeps us running and helps support us when we go on trips and, you know, and paying our server costs and all that stuff. So thanks to all you guys and shouts to everyone who joined us in the chat today. There was a lot of people. I saw Wesley, Tony Polanco was there. Shouts to Miguel. Um, I'm sorry I was mispronouncing your name before. And yeah, shouts to all the regulars that come through and, you know, visit us and talk to us every week. We really appreciate it. And um, yeah, that's it for me. Uh, I think Rich has disappeared. So yeah, that's it for this week on Court Podcast. Um, look out for us next week and don't forget to check out Throw Down Your Questions later today. Peace.